Thank you for joining us today. At ResLife, our mission is to develop committed followers of Jesus Christ to reach the world. Our content is created to equip and empower you in God's purpose. We hope you enjoy this message. Today, I want to start a series of messages, and I don't know how many I'll do. Uh, I thought I was going to do one, but that's definitely not going to work. But I want, the, the title of this is The Blood of His Cross. Uh, let's just start with Colossians 1, verse 20. It says, by him to reconcile all things to himself. By him, whether things on earth or things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of his cross. Having made peace through the blood of his cross. Now, when the Bible uses the phrase blood of his cross, it's talking about everything that Jesus did in his death, burial, resurrection, and ascension. Now, notice that God reconciles to himself. The book of Hebrews actually says he purifies all things in earth and in heaven. So actually, the sin of Adam and Eve not only had consequences on earth, but it affected heaven because Jesus takes his blood into heaven to purify things that are in heaven. But everything that Jesus did is summed up in that word through the blood of his cross. It's through the blood. Several years ago, there was a, a very prominent pastor here in Grand Rapids who said that the blood of Jesus was no different than any other blood. And, and when I heard that, uh, it, just, it just pricked my heart. I felt so sorry for him, so far for anybody that's listening to him. All right, Romans 3, verse 23. Whom God has set forth to be a propitiation through faith in his blood. He's our propitiation through faith in his blood. Now, faith is largely dependent on knowledge. You cannot believe for what you do not know. Right? So for the next couple of weeks, I want to talk to you about the blood of Jesus. Now, the reason we're going to do this is because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So we're going to talk about what the word of God teaches us about the blood of Jesus, right? And it's when we understand that, that he becomes a propitiation for us. Now, obviously, if you're not a Christian, you don't go to church, you will probably never hear the word propitiation. It's kind of like, what in the world does it mean? Because like, you don't go to Myers and say, where's the propitiation aisle? <laughs> Myers doesn't have any propitiation, nor does Costco, right? So the word is better translated. In fact, other translations say that he becomes a sacrifice through faith in his blood. How many of you know you need him to be your sacrifice? But it only happens through faith in his, in his blood. Uh, other translations actually say mercy seat, which may actually be the best of all the translations. Now, I'm going to give it to you the same verse in a different translation in a moment. It says, whom God publicly displayed as the atonement seat, right? the atonement seat or the mercy seat. Now, we're going to take a look. In fact, let's just take a look at the ark a minute, all right? 
This is the Ark of the Covenant. In fact, I was reading this morning in Exodus, and I think it's right around chapter 20, where it gets into all the, the how to make Moses' tabernacle. How many of you have ever read the whole Bible? Okay. You get to that part where there's like six or seven chapters, and all it is is about the tabernacle. Right? You need to make the curtains this tall. They need to be this color. They got to be hooked with these silver loops who have to be hooked to these poles that are so long that are covered with silver. And I mean, it literally for like six chapters and it drives you crazy. It drives you so crazy too. what I did this morning. I got going and I, I thought, okay, that's it. I got my phone out, hit, hit Exodus chapter 22. I said, okay, I'm just going to listen to it. <laughs> because I mean, it's just like, literally you're reading it all and you're going, ah, what in the world is this all about? All right? It's all about a box. Literally, the whole thing is about a box. Right? And that box is called the Ark of the Covenant. It's made of a certain type of wood. It's covered with gold. It's got a lid on it. Now, let me just ask, how many of you saw Raiders of the Lost Ark? Okay, so you know never to open it, right? If you saw Raiders of the Lost Ark, you know you do not open the lid on this thing, right? But the reason you don't open the lid is not because the well of souls is inside. But what is inside are the Ten Commandments. There's two tablets, right? And these, the Bible tells us that God literally wrote on them with his own finger. It's the handwriting of God, right? And I wanted to ask this morning, is there anybody who has broken any of those Ten Commandments? All right, guilty, okay. So here's what God says. Now, this is, this is found in Exodus 25. Right? He says, there I will meet with you. Now, the, put that picture back up, would you, for just a second? Right? Now, the there is underneath those angels' wings and on top of the lid, the mercy seat. There I will meet with you from above the atonement seat or the mercy seat and between the two cherubim that are on the ark of the testimony. I will communicate to you all the commandments that I will give to for, give you for your people Israel. Now, literally, God says, this is where I'm going to meet with you. I'm going to meet with you right above that mercy seat under the angel's wings. Now, we can get rid of it for a moment. Right? Now, only once a year, the Bible tells us, and never without blood, the high priest could go into the place where that ark was at. In fact, do we have a picture of, of Moses' tabernacle? All right. Let me see. I'm supposed to know how to do this. Okay. So this is the outer court. Everybody gets to go in here. This is the inner court, only the priest. And right here, that's the ark, right? And that part right there is called the Holy of Holies. Now, only one time a year could the priest ever go in there. And the Bible says in the book of Hebrews, never without blood. Because if he did anything wrong, he dropped dead. He didn't have blood, he dropped dead. Now, tradition tells us there were no volunteers to go get him. So they tied a rope around his leg so that if he dropped dead, they could just haul him out. Right? Now, what it's telling us is this. It was not easy to get in. Right? Only once a year, never without blood. And the high priest would go in, and he would stand in front of that ark in that holy of holies, and he would sprinkle the blood over that mercy seat and on that ark. He'd sprinkle it seven times. Right? Now, what's inside? 
Ten Commandments that you broke and I broke. Right above that mercy seat is the presence of the holy, holy, holy God, Jehovah. But in between the commandments you broke and I broke and God's holy presence, there's blood. There's blood. And without that blood, the priest could not go in. Without blood, there was no remission. There was no forgiveness of sins. Now, probably the reason that the blood is so very important, it's found in Acts, well, it's found in several places, but Acts 20 and verse 28 says, Therefore, take heed to yourselves and all the flock among which the Holy Ghost has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. So Jesus' blood was not just human blood. Jesus' blood was literally God's blood. That's why the Bible tells us in 1 Peter chapter 1 that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from the lifestyle that you received from your fathers, from your parents, but with the precious blood of Christ. Jesus' blood was literally the blood of God. Now, if you go back to Genesis chapter 3, when man and Adam and Eve sinned, God immediately said, the seed of the woman is going to come. and He's going to crush Satan's head. A dozen chapters later, God, he's going to be from the seed of Abraham. And then later, the seed of David. And different prophets, Moses said he's going to be a prophet like me, like unto Moses. And then in Isaiah, Isaiah said that the government would be upon his shoulders, that his name would be called Wonderful Counselor, Almighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And Isaiah said, and a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and you will call his name God with us, Emmanuel. Literally, a hundred prophecies come forth about that Messiah. And the New Testament tells us in the fullness of time, in the fullness of time, literally at harvest time, God spoke those things out. And that word that he spoke out, that word produced inside of Mary. And the Bible says that the Holy Spirit came upon her and she conceived in her womb. But what she conceived was what God had spoken again and again and again and again. And when the fullness of time, when harvest time came for the word that was spoken, the Holy Spirit came upon Mary. In in Hebrews chapter 10, Jesus said, and a body you have prepared for me. And that body was the body that God spoke. And the blood that ran in his veins was not just human blood. It was the blood of God. So he redeemed you with his own blood. That's why no other man, the God man only, could redeem you and I. And Hebrews 9.22 says, and according to the law, almost all things are purified with blood. And without the shedding of blood, there is no remission. That blood took God's hand and put it in your hand and reconciled you to God, brought you back into favor with God. Leviticus 17, verse 11, for the life of the flesh is in the blood, and I've given it to you upon the altar to make an atonement for your souls, for it is the blood that makes an atonement 
for your souls. The word atonement means an exchange, a restoration to favor, to disannul, to cleanse, to forgive, to pardon, to put away, and to reconcile. What Jesus' blood did is it put your hand back in God's hand and restored you to favor. It reconciled you to God, just like Adam and Eve were before they had ever even sinned. When Adam and Eve sinned, the first thing that happened, the Bible tells us, is that God killed animals. Their blood flowed. And God took those skins and he covered Adam and Eve with those skins. Now, the Bible doesn't tell us what type of animal it was right there, but I do believe that it tells us. I believe it was lambs. Because the Bible says that Jesus was as a lamb slain before the foundation of the world. When John the Baptist saw Jesus, he said, behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. But shortly thereafter, we have Cain and Abel. The Bible tells us that Cain, well, he was a vegetable farmer. And he decides that he wants to come and offer God a sacrifice. He brings some carrots and some tomatoes, some radishes, some turnips, probably some sweet corn. He does an offering. And then his brother came, Abel, and it says, also brought of the firstborn of the flock and their fat. And the Lord respected Abel and his offering, but he did not respect Cain and his offering. And Cain was very angry and his countenance fell. Well, why wouldn't God respect Cain's offering? He'd been working. He'd been weeding his garden. He'd done everything he was supposed to do, but he brought vegetables. You know, you can't get blood from a turnip. And what God was looking for, it was blood. His brother brought a young lamb. He shed the blood of that lamb and God received his offering and received him. But when God rejected Cain's offering, God rejected him. See, in the Old Testament, if you sinned, you went to the priest and you brought your offering. Now, the priest did not inspect you. The priest inspected your offering. And if your offering was without blemish, then you were accepted. That's why the Bible tells us that you were redeemed with the precious blood of Christ, that he was without spot and without blemish. See, so often we think God's going to inspect us. But what God does is he inspects your offering, right? In the blood of Jesus is the one offering that is accepted in heaven. It's the only one. He becomes our sacrifice through faith in his blood. Not our works, but faith in his blood. And literally, the word blessed, if you look it up, you know, so often you say to a Christian, how are you doing? I'm blessed. I'm blessed. But the word literally means sanctified by blood set apart by blood. When you say I'm blessed, you are saying what you have received, you have received because of blood. If you get an old dictionary, the example that's actually used is the high priest going in to the Holy of Holies and putting the blood on the mercy seat. And I think it's interesting In the day of atonement, Leviticus 16, when the priest put the blood on the mercy seat, it was only after the blood was on the mercy seat that they blew the trumpet and said, there's freedom in the land. 
Every person who's in debt is free. Every slave is set free. Everything changed when the blood was put on the mercy seat. And our lives change when we believe, we put our faith in the blood. That's when he becomes the sacrifice, the mercy seat, the propitiation for our sin. Moses took the children of Israel out of Egypt, brought them into the desert, and they built this, this tent to worship God. It's called the Tabernacle of Moses. When he built it, God said, make it exactly the way that I tell you. Now, it tells us the reason is because it's a copy. In fact, let me just read just a little bit of Hebrews 9, verse 12. He, Jesus, went once for all into the holy of holies of heaven. He went where? Into the holy of holies of heaven. See, Moses' tabernacle was a copy of the tabernacle that's in heaven. The priest on earth went into that holy of holies and put blood there every year because the blood of a bull or a goat or a calf could never take away sin. So they had to do it again and again and again. But Jesus took his blood into the holy of holies of heaven, right? Now, when you look, I think it's so interesting, when you look at Moses inside that tabernacle that they have, the Bible tells us what Moses did. How many of you would have liked to go into church with Moses once? I think you'd probably only go once. But this is what the Bible says that he did. The Bible says that Moses took blood, right? And he put it on all of the vessels of worship, right? So he put blood on the candelabra. He put blood on the table of showbread. He put blood on the altar. He put blood on, on everything you could find inside, right? And then the Bible says Moses took blood and he sprinkled all of the people. So you never wore white to church with Moses, right? Because this is what you knew. If you went to church with Moses, you're going to get blood, right? Front row, back row, balcony, didn't matter where you were, blood, right? And then it says that he took blood. How many getting a picture of what Moses used in, the tab in worship, all right? And he took blood and he put it on the book. Now, literally, that was the part of the Bible that they had, right? And he put it on the book. You say, why would he do that? because it's a blood book. It is a blood covenant book, right? In fact, the highest form of worship always in the Bible is faith in blood. Right? We lift our hands, we clap, we may kneel, we may even prostrate, and those are all forms of worship. But the highest form of worship is faith in blood, faith in the blood. So Hebrews chapter nine and verse 12, neither by the blood of goats and calves, but with his own blood, Jesus entered once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. I think the amplified is even clearer. It says, he, Jesus, went once for all into the holy of holies of heaven not by virtue of the blood of goats and calves, by which to make reconciliation between God and man, but his own blood, having found and secured a complete redemption and an everlasting release. So the Bible says that what Jesus did with his blood was different than what the priest did. The priest, it wasn't eternal. 
In fact, it just covered things up for a year and he had to go back again and again and again. But with Jesus' blood, he did it once and he obtained an everlasting release. Now notice it says a complete redemption. Now that means this, that God did not leave out anything in the redemption process. He thought of everything. You will never go to God and say, God, this is my problem. And God go, what are we going to do? Holy Ghost, Jesus, Gabriel, look at their problem. I don't know what to do. We never thought of that. No, redemption is complete, right? So there are no special problems, no unique problems. There is nothing that God overlooked in the plan of redemption. Jesus paid for everything. He planned and provided for freedom in every area. And we have coverage in every area through faith in Jesus' blood. Jesus paid too high a price for your redemption for you to go through life bound, addicted, depressed, defeated, and living in fear and shame. A friend of mine tells a story about going to Disneyland with his teenage kids. They went in the summer. He said, it was just super hot. And they are standing in line for a ride. And they are standing in line for like an hour. And right in front of them is a grandma with her like her 10-year-old grandson. Now, he has got a Mickey Mouse hat, Mickey Mouse shirt, slurpy with Mickey Mouse picture on it. And they're in line. And this kid says to grandma, grandma. It's taking so long. And grandma, it's so hot. Grandma, I want a different kind of Slurpee. And grandma, I don't even know if I'm going to like this ride. Grandma, can we just go back to the hotel? I don't, grandma, it's so hot. And grandma, I don't like this. And grandma looked at him and said, shut up. (laughs) I'm just telling what she said. She said, listen. She said, we have come hundreds of miles. We have driven all the way from Arkansas for you to get here. And I paid $1,600 for a hotel, for food, and for you to ride these rides and have fun. And you will have fun. Look, I think God in heaven looks down at his children. And he says to some of his children, He said, Jesus came from so far and he paid such a high price with his blood, his death, burial, resurrection, and ascension. And you need to get some victory over shame and bondage and addiction and depression and fear. And you need to live a victorious life and have some fun in Jesus' name. Don't live defeated. Don't live in bondage. Don't see yourself as a victim anymore because you, through the blood of Jesus, you've been put in right standing with God. Jesus put your hand in God's hand and he provided everything that you need. It is a complete redemption. Paul, the apostle, he gets bitten by that snake. He shakes it off in the fire. I know we get attacked, but it's time we shake it off. Shake it off. Shake it off. The blood of Jesus provided for victory for every one of us. Message Bible says this. 
He also bypassed the sacrifices consisting of goats and calves' blood, instead using his own blood as the price to set us free once and for all. Two things. Jesus doesn't need to suffer again. And you don't need to suffer again to pay for your sin. But notice he set us free once and for all. The plain English translation says it's an everlasting deliverance. What that means is that you can get free today, stay free all week, all month, all year, and the next year, and you can stay free until Jesus comes back. It is an everlasting deliverance. It's not temporary. Regardless of how you feel, it's an everlasting deliverance. You can be free, get free, and stay free through faith in the blood of Jesus. Now, Revelation, let me close with this. Revelation chapter one, verse five and six. And from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, the first begotten of the dead, the prince of the kings of the earth, to him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood and has made us kings and priests to God the Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Now, I want you to catch this. The blood of Jesus, you've been washed in his blood from your sins. But that has to do with your past. But then he did something else. He made us. He empowered us. He anointed us with his blood, by his blood, to be kings and priests to God the Father. Hebrews 4 verse 16 says, we must then fearlessly, confidently come to the throne of grace that we may find mercy. Mercy has to do with covering your past, with eliminating your past. But more than that, not just mercy, but grace. Grace to help, grace to enable for every situation when we need them. So the blood of Jesus does not just take care of your past. The blood of Jesus enables you today. It anoints you today. It anoints you to be a king, to live in life as a king through Jesus, and to be a priest to God. Now, I don't know about you, but that makes me excited. Let me tell you what I did today. Right? Before I came today, I pleaded the blood of Jesus right? over this service, over myself, right? that I would be able to be anointed to speak the word of God to you effectively because God's grace through, excuse me, God's, God's power through the blood of Jesus does not just take care of your past, right? The blood of Jesus empowers you for today. It empowers you to do what you need to do today as a part of the kingdom of God. Now, that's just not spiritual things. That's everything that you do because every place you go, you are a king and you are a priest to God the Father. You're a representative of the kingdom of God and the blood of Jesus doesn't just take care of yesterday's problems and sin. The blood of Jesus empowers you today to do what you need to do as a king, as a priest, as a father, as a mother, whatever it is that you do. The blood of Jesus empowers you, but it is through faith in his blood. 
It's through faith in his blood. Now, one of the things that we're going to do in the next couple of weeks is we're going to talk about how to apply the blood, right? But one of the ways that the blood is applied, right, is by pleading the blood. Now, that sounds kind of strange, but let me just, if, if you are arrested and you go and stand before the judge, the judge will say to you, how do you plead? Guilty or not guilty, all right? Well, in the court of heaven, the best answer is I plead the blood. I plead the blood. See, because you may have done what you're being accused of, but that's not who you are. Right? You're a king and you're a priest to God the Father through his blood. And I don't want God looking at me based on my performance because I blow it. But I tell you what, one offering for all time, Jesus took his blood. He put it on the mercy seat in heaven. And the Bible tells us in the book of Hebrews that that blood is speaking right now on my behalf. And it says, forgive him, anoint him, deliver him, use him. Let the kingdom of God come in his life, in your life. Enable him to do what he needs to do as a king and a priest today. The blood is speaking on your behalf. And when you say, I plead the blood, you're saying, I'm not looking at my performance. I'm looking at Jesus' performance. And I'm expecting what Jesus purchased for me with his death, burial, resurrection, when he put his blood on the mercy seat for me. Plead the blood. It not only takes care of your past, but it enables us today to be a king and to be a priest to God, our Father. All right, I want you to confess a few things with me. All right, everybody, get ready. God is on my side. Repeat that. For the blood has been applied. Every need will be supplied. No good thing shall be denied. I enter into rest, for I know I'm blessed. In Christ's blood, I pass the test. For his blood supplies the best. I win my case by pleading the blood of Jesus. I plead the blood over my family, over my mind, over my past, over my future, over my conscience. I have peace with God through the blood of his cross. The blood of Jesus purges my conscience from dead works to serve the living God. Through the blood, I'm being perfected for every good work to do his will in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, as we, as we close, I think this is my second closing. Jesus tells this story in Luke chapter 18. He said, two men went to the temple to pray. One is a Pharisee, very, very religious guy. And Jesus said he prayed to himself. He thought he was talking to God, but God wasn't even listening. He said, God, I thank you that I'm not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like that tax collector over there. He said, I fast twice a week. I give tithes of everything I possess. And the tax collector is over in the corner won't even lift his head. And Jesus said he beats his chest. Now, this is not 
penance, punishment. But this is just insincerity. All he says is, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Some of your translations say this. God, be propitiate to me, a sinner. And others, this is what your translation says. It's very good. It says, God, be a mercy seat, a blood-covered mercy seat to me, a sinner. Now, this is what Jesus said. That man, not the other, went to his house justified. The man who thought, I do this and this and this and this, and I don't do this and this, thought that would justify him. But you know what? Nobody has ever been made right with God. The Bible says this, Romans 3.20, by obeying the law, by doing good things and not doing bad things. No one has ever been justified. So often people think that's how they're going to be right with God. I'm just going to be so good. I'm going to do this and not do that. But Jesus said the man who did all the right things, he was not justified. But the one who said, be a mercy seat, be that blood-covered mercy seat to me, he was forgiven. He went to his house justified. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 13 says, it was a perfect sacrifice by a perfect person. Jesus at Calvary, the perfect sacrifice, a perfect person. To perfect some very imperfect people. How many of you would say you qualify as an imperfect person? And by that single offering, the next verse says, he did everything. How much did he do? Everything. Everything that needed to be done for everyone who takes part in the purifying process. So it's faith in the blood plus nothing, minus nothing. The Pharisee thought, my good works, I do this and I don't do this. That will make me right with God. That will not make you right with God. Right? Jesus said it this way, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And no one, who? No one can come to the Father except by me. See, my good works, the things I do and don't do, cannot make me right with God. But there is a blood-covered mercy seat that can make every person right with God. What can wash away your sin, my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. So that's why it says over here in Romans chapter 3, whom God has set forth to be a propitiation, a sacrifice, a mercy seat through faith in his blood. There was only one way to redeem mankind. And that was for the sinless, spotless God-man, Jesus, to come and shed his blood, God's blood, to put your hand in God's hand and to restore you to favor and fellowship and to make you a king and a priest to God the Father. Would you bow your heads for just a moment? You may be here today. 
And you've been in church for years, but you've always thought, I just got to do this and not do that. I've talked to people and say, are you a Christian? And they say, well, I'm trying to be. I'm trying to be. Will you go to heaven when you die? I hope so. But the Bible says this. Listen, we've written these things to you that you may know that you have everlasting life. See, being right with God is not something you find out when you die. You're supposed to know today that you're forgiven, that you're right with God. Not because of how good you've been, what you've done and not done, but because of faith in his blood. I'm going to ask, if you're not right with God today, if you're away from God, I'm going to ask you to pray this prayer. In fact, I'm going to ask everybody to pray a prayer. The Bible says, whosoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. And we're going to call on his name the way the Bible tells us to, to put faith in his blood. And when we say amen, if you will pray this prayer from your heart, you're going to be right with God. Now, if you can, if you came with somebody, would you take their hand, please? If you're online, you're with somebody, take their hand. I'm going to ask everybody to pray this prayer out loud from your heart. Make these words your own. Say, oh God, I believe that Jesus died on the cross. I believe his blood paid for my sins. And I believe he rose again. Victorious over death, sin, and the devil. And I give him all of my heart in all of my life. I hold nothing back. My faith is in Jesus' blood. He paid for my sin and made me right with God. I thank you. You've heard my prayer. And that is, I serve him. The blood of Jesus cleanses me and enables me in this life. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope what you heard today has been encouraging and given you new insight into the Word of God. We upload weekly, so join us again next time. Be blessed and enjoy your week.